Hello and welcome to the Behind the Wheel podcast, the culmination and brainchild of my own love for cars, but also my determination to ensure that nobody ever goes through what I've been through. That is hating their nine to five and living only for the weekends. Sam Sheehan is an award-winning motoring journalist with a love for all things automotive and sharing that love via words, video and social media. Doesn't quite matter whether it's a quirky hot hatch or a thoroughbred single-seater race car. If it's got an engine or electric motor, you can always rely on Sam being there. Being an incredibly young guy and seeing his content on social media really got me thinking about just how much potential there is for young people and those that are older as well to really get their name out there, to not be scared, to put their best work in front of people and see where it takes them. And Sam is a shining example to everyone out there that doesn't quite matter whether you've failed in life or whether you've, you know, had dreams that haven't quite materialized, you can still make headway and still you know win achievements and do what you love doing every single day and obviously make a living out of it as well so without further ado sit back and enjoy this very lovely interview with sam himself i think i think a lot of um us probably don't think too much about what what naturally we're driven by um, we probably just look outwardly at what we think we should be driven by and, and other people I just don't think I had the confidence that I would be capable of doing that stuff um, or, or, or you know that it would be possible to make a shift because you're often told at school aren't you that you kind of um, have to have your path laid out from like 15 when yeah. most of us now know that's not true you can make a massive career switch at 30 or whatever and, and still make Absolutely. it work you know or even later Sam, how are you, man? Good, good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Very excited. No, it's it's absolutely my pleasure. Sam, I want to get right into it because I remember reading something about you and I was like, oh, that sounds quite cool. Would I be right in thinking that uh, at one point in your career, you were actually looking to go into racing? Is that right? Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, there's a few of us in this industry, uh, which would probably openly and quite happily call ourselves failed racing drivers, first and foremost, and then motoring journalists second. Um, wow. Yeah, there's, I, there, I can think of a handful of names. I'm not going to say it because they probably won't like be calling them failed racing drivers, but <laughs> we, we'd all say it. Wanted to be Formula One driver, um, did karting, was okay, won some races, got did some British Championship stuff, but just wasn't uh, funds and I ultimately... When you watch Lewis Hamilton drive a racing car, I think I don't think I've done that level. <laughs> so I'm um, quite happy to say that, uh, you know, I got I got as far as I sh- should have. Um, but yeah, run out of steam in my teenage years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just 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 talk us through like the kind of moment that you kind of realized that, oh, man, like this ain't going to go anywhere. Like how did that kind of go about? Like, what, what, what was going through your mind when you were kind of going through that kind of place in your life? Yeah, well, I think a lot of people have this. Um, with many sports um, and you, you kind of you're so zoned in I was a teenager when I was doing the racing it was pretty much from 10 I started so then um, and then it got pretty serious in terms of my effort and in terms of my parents commitment to it um, when I was sort of 13 all the way up until just before uni at 18 um, so pretty much the main part of my teenage years all those really important important development years I was so fixated on being a racing driver I almost 
didn't notice the rest of the world. I did all the usual things. Wow. You know, I had friends at school and uh, studied and I, I did all right at school, but I was very distracted all the time. Um, you know, there would be there, there would be classes. I remember quite vividly them talking about, oh, you need to learn these skills when you go into the working world and me thinking, well, that's not going to apply to me because I'm going to be doing some sort of racing. Um, so, yeah, so the moment it became quite clear was it very much, I think I was 16 or 17, and it started to dawn on me that, you know, I hadn't been picked up by that scout or whatever on the track side and uh, other drivers were progressing. Dri some drivers of which I didn't think were that quick, but they just had the funding um, were progressing and it started to dawn on me and um, the, the conversations about university at school, a lot of us will know at school, I went I went to this big, really good comprehensive in North London and um, they were starting to really put the pressure on, like, got to start thinking about uni. And I started thinking, oh man, I'm actually going to have to listen to these guys. <laughs> I'm going to have oh, to start man. doing this. And, uh, so yeah, kind of, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a moment, but there was a gradual realization. And initially, I remember being really disappointed about it, and it was quite, it was, I wasn't sad, but I was, I was frustrated. Um, I felt like I'd been hard done by. But looking back, I, you know, I had the greatest experience. Not many kids can can have years of racing and or competing in a sport like that. And so now I'm really grateful for it. But yeah, you know what teenagers are like. I was very grumpy yeah, about yeah. it. I wasn't too happy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ended, ended up finding it. <laughs> You know what I? I mean, I often find this quite interesting, actually, in, in terms of like, how do you know when, like, when to give up, right? Like, in the sense that, you know, um, there's a there's a fine line, right, between being stupid and crazy and just keep on going with it, right? And it's like how, like, when you look back at that experience, how do you kind of um, justify that decision to not, if that makes sense? Yeah. Well, I think I think to be fair, the decision was made because funding in motorsport, as you might know, is, is the, the step from A to B and then B to C is like double your money. Um, and if you can't get the sponsors on board, it's like an impossible task, ultimately. Um, yeah, yeah, there yeah. was. A, yeah, the, I think for me, it was more um, when I started to think about it, I realized, I, you know, you, you start to you start to come up with a plan B, don't you? I think instinctively as humans, we yeah. maybe we if we sense plan A is not going to plan, you start thinking, how can I salvage something from this situation? And while that sounds like the biggest first world problem ever. I still had a great upbringing and I went to a decent school yeah, with yeah, yeah. nice friends. But as a teenager, I was like, oh, how can I salvage something from this bad situation? Um, and so I, I, I started to go down the route of, um, and, it, and, and one you're probably familiar with is, is just thinking, how can I just get a good job that pays well that will enable me mm -hmm. to have cars or motorsport as a hobby um, on the side? So I, I went down um, that route. So it was very much a plan B, how can I salvage some how can I continue doing what I'm doing in some form, even though not as a professional? Um, yeah, yeah. And unfortunately with cars, as, as we all know, you know, money is very much at the center of that. You need money yeah. to enjoy cars typically. Yeah. 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 Where does, where does your love for cars come from? Uh, it was, was the same from the motorsport as well. My dad's a mechanic. So, um, and, and, and he runs a little garage in North London. Um, so he's, you know, he's, 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 a, he's the, I guess the most uh, grassroots form of mechanic where he still gets his hands greasy and uh, someone comes in with a problem and he doesn't replace the parts. He, he, he repairs a car if he can, obviously sometimes you have to replace yeah, parts. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it was that, that his passion for cars um, and his passion for um, particularly sports cars and classic cars, things that make great sounds and make and smell nice, petrol smells and things like that. Yeah. Um, that all just passed down into me and, and, you know, watching watching Formula One and um, and seeing Michael Schumacher just be dominant in cars, and and of course also um, Top Gear TV. You know that I remember watching that yeah. through the early two thousands and and being 
it was very hard. I mean, I think something like 60% of the nation at one point were watching that show. So it, it, was, it was hard not to get all excited about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in, in terms of, um, you know, I mean, I know, I know in our society, you know, that there is this kind of, um, this, this, uh, kind of pressure or this idea of what success really means, right? We often think about success meaning, you know, getting a decent nine to five, getting a stable job, right? Um, into banking or finance or, you know, law or medicine or whatever. And I'm just wondering, like, to what degree did you have that kind of expectation put on you yeah. when you were younger? Because I guess, you know, doing what you do right now is not what many would see as the norm, right? They wouldn't see as even the safe thing to do, um, yeah. you know. Um, but did you kind of have, have that kind of expectation of doing what is perhaps not the most fun thing to do, if that if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, so I think I come from a, a situation um, which... I'd like to think it's unique, but I'm sure it's not. Um, but because I'm mixed, I'm mixed in my heritage. I'm half Indian, half English. So I had the upbringing. Um, my mum's side, my mum is brilliant um, and was never ho- overly pressured on me. Never, never said you need to go into a profession, but had a subtle hint of like, oh, think about, you know, professional careers and are you good at law? It was it was, you know, with all with love um, behind it, but instinctively would, would push towards proper business roles or something like that. And then on my dad's side, it was very much, he was just like, do what you love, you know, blah, blah, blah. If you want to be a racing driver or drive cars or whatever. Um, so I had, I had, I had this kind of in my mind from as a child, I suppose. Um, and, and I think when, as I mentioned, so when, when I realized the racing thing wasn't going to happen, I think instinctively the the next answer to me was to follow my mum's advice, which was to get a job that paid well, because then I'd be able to fund the racing or the car driving or whatever. Um, and so that, that, that feeling of like, I need to, it's almost like you need to give up on your dream, isn't it? It's like, oh, okay, I've, I've tried to escape mm-hmm. the building blocks of society and the box that it's going to put me in. And I, I get, I give up, <laughs> I'll conform. And then I'll yeah. um, try and find my, my fun within that. So I think, um, you know, there wasn't a moment where I, um, I sort of went, do you know what? I, I can't do, um, the, the nine to five. I, I think I, I had to actually go out and do it. I went to uni uh, and then I came out of uni and I got a job at literally, it was called an IT consultant, I think it was. And I worked in a recruitment firm and my starting salary there was better than my starting salaries for the next couple of years <laughs> in the motoring. Wow. Just because you get paid better, obviously, in business. As, as, yeah, as yeah, of course. But, of course. Um, so I was like, OK, this is good. This is a good path. Um, but very quickly, you know, like yourself, you said, I, 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 it took me three to four months to realise I was going to struggle to see out the year in the role. Um, and I just... It's very hard. I think I think every, there are different personality types and some people and I admire them. They can they can crack on with something, even if they don't particularly enjoy it and just get just get through the grind because they'll have that sight for the end yeah. goal. Yeah. And then there are people like me and maybe yourself as well, who who really need that that fun and, and motivation on a much more regular basis. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. the end goal can't be 10 years away. That's too far for me. I need I need to have. The, the joy or the you know the endorphin yeah. button that has yeah, to be pressed yeah, yeah. daily <laughs> so yeah, yeah yeah and and I don't think that's a bad thing I think some people may look at you and say you know you're, you're you've got a personality type of this that the other everyone's different um and so I I very quickly realized that and perhaps this was to do with my upbringing perhaps it was to do with me having that fun sport in my life through my teen years a trend and whatever my personality developed around that um and so I, uh, I very much now and, and through the early years of my career before I really made the switch to motoring journalism, um, was always seeking those, those short term 
joys and wins. Um, it's just about trying to find a way of making sure that they're not. I think that's why social media is so powerful at the moment in, in a good and a bad way, because people are getting those short term kicks and joys out of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But not necessarily with a productive end goal in it. So in a very long winded way of answering your question, I think I think I had to dip my toe into the real world a bit like yourself and, and like sure, I'm sure a lot of people do to yeah. realise I just wouldn't be able to to do it properly. And it's so competitive out there. You have to really be good at something to do well in it. So if you go into it half heartedly, it's not. I think also I think, you know, that that idea of having to kind of dabble into stuff, I think it's yeah. so important because I think I think people have this kind of conception that okay i need to do what i love doing so then mm. i've got to wake up one morning and just start doing it but actually what i've found like 35 40 episodes in when i speak to people on this podcast it's actually the culmination of a bunch of let's call them failed experiments right yeah where you've mm. kind of gone into something and realized oh that wasn't for me oh you know I'm, I'm gonna pivot because this bit didn't work for me and then you end up over time getting yeah. to a place where like okay right i think i found it Okay, or I'm pretty close to finding it, and then you start going in that direction. But I think, um, I think in your case, what's really amazing is that one day and said, "Right, okay, I want to be like the cinch, and you know, um, this could be my life." It actually was was the result of kind of many different sort of avenues, right? Yeah, I go so far as saying failures because I I went into them. My university, you know, I skipped over that, but actually, at university, I had a I went to Leeds. I had the best time ever, honestly three of the most nostalgic years in, you know in my yeah. mind I, I look back on them with so much joy but when it came to actually me learning um the subjects I chose which was environmental management basically a, it was very close to geography um because I didn't know what I wanted to do chose the most broad subjects I could find um yeah. I I yeah I just I just didn't have much passion for it after the first term almost um but just stuck with it because I didn't want to drop out of uni and and I'd made friends and I felt like I could pull myself through but ultimately it was kind of in terms of an education experience. I, di- I didn't really make full use of it because I wasn't passionate about it. Um, so I would class those, even though I got through them and, and you know, kind of winged it on days and things like that. It it, it was ultimately there wasn't the most productive time. You know, I, I could have done something much more productive. I could have done, I could have studied, you know, video editing and things like that, which would have been so beneficial to my career now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't regret any of those times because I think you have to have those experiences to know that you don't want to go back to them. All, all that. So true. It's, it's such a good point. I think um, I think that often you have to feel the pain to then exactly. be able to kind of push you in the right direction. Because like, I know I know for a fact that you know there's times that, as I'm sure you probably experienced, it's hard to wake up at six, seven in the morning sometimes on a on a Saturday or a Sunday, or you know mm-hmm. work as hard as you do until you know midnight, whatever it is. But for me, like I don't ever want to go back to the way that I was feeling a number of years ago, and that that keeps you going. And I feel like um, I don't think our society um, looks at failure in the right way. I think that we we think of failure as this kind of horrible endpoint, but actually it could be the most um, brilliant thing to happen to people ever. And I think we often run away from it as this kind of horrible thing to like not even experience. But actually, it's so important for our self development, right? One hundred percent. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I think we're we're living through good times now, and this is where social media is good because you've got athletes like Lewis Hamilton, uh, Anthony Joshua, who 
who have, I mean, you know, Hamilton's failures are, are, are small, but when he does have bad days, he's really vocal about it on social media. And I, I really yeah. admire him. I'm, I'm so lucky. I got to meet him a few years ago, but in the most wow. formal setting. So I never, it was, it, you know, he won't remember me. I was just one yeah. of the 10 journalists in the room. But um, yeah. I think, I think having, I think there are uh, glimmers of that, you know, because like you say, the pressures from actual society and especially from, formal society like business and things like that yeah failure is is often viewed in, in a very negative light and, and if you you don't bounce back from failure sometimes it, it it's your downfall almost isn't it and i think um yeah there are a few guiding lights out there and i'm glad they exist because i think they're really powerful i, I always really admire anthony joshua and lewis hamilton and the dozens of other people out there who are very vocal about picking yourself yeah. up from failure. Yeah, yeah. i want to um i want to rewind back a second um just to uh, just to your life obviously you had this love for 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 motorsport at a young age um, through your dad. Um, you then obviously went into racing. That didn't work out as well as it possibly w- could have done for you. Um, and um, you you then kind of um, decided to kind of go into what you thought would be you know the right thing to do, um, which was do the safe thing and go to university, get a degree. You then got a job in the in the corporate space. Um, that kind of um, like just talk us through like when you were going through that point in time in your life where you were at university um did you ever think at any point when you were at university that, you know what um i'm just I- i'm not going to be i'm not going to be that guy i'm not going to be that guy who works in the safe space and mm-hmm. i'm actually going to end up doing something that i love doing at any point did that ever kind of come to you or was it always like at that point no i'm going to i'm going to stay true do my degree and get my job at the end of it and then I'm just going to put everything else to the side and if 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 my love for cars appears in some way meaningful it happens yeah. if not it does it it doesn't like how how um how mindful were you that you wanted to go into the car space at some point in your life back when you were at university it was so university it was it wasn't um so I, I actually was part of the Leeds Uni Motorsport Society um okay, and, okay. um actually funny enough it, it was a society from a long time ago but then it had actually ceased no one was running it and I think for a few years it closed down and um I start we restarted it. a friend and I uh, basically restarted it so it's really cool We're still running today right. um so it, it looks fantastic but um I that was my that was that was where I'd put all my eggs in terms of my enjoyment and cars and stuff like that. I, I we, we used to do go-kart racing on a national level as the same way you play football for your uni team, we race yeah. go-karts. Um, and uh, that was pretty much, I had come to the acceptance, I think, that that was pretty much going to be my my car or car wow. racing or something, joy. I was going to do something like that on the side while having a normal job. Um, I hadn't considered, even at the, and it sounds crazy probably, that at, even at university level at 20, 21, I hadn't really considered that maybe I could turn the car bit into a full-time role oh, it wow. seems mad now and actually i can't believe that I is mad it. that is really I mad yeah. i read car magazines and they go make a shift because you're often told at school aren't you that you kind of um have to have your path laid out from like 15 when yeah. most of us now know that's not true you can make a massive career switch at 30 or whatever and, and still make Absolutely. it work yeah. you know or even later i know people who have switched into into my industry in their 40s and are, and are now really prevalent one of them's a history teacher I won't say he was a former history teacher at school and now he's uh, the editor of a magazine so it's like you know there's no there's no you you can be much older and still make these massive massive switches um but I think it came to me it was it took a while so I went into that job after uni uh, and then I as I said didn't enjoy it and then I started sort of 
sort of almost not panicking but kind of thinking god how am i going to find something that i like because if i if this job here is paying me fairly well and i'm still not really enjoying it um what am i going to do and i can't remember the moment but something clicked in me and i was reading a magazine i think it was it was either a top gear magazine or a car magazine or something like that it might have been evo as well because i was an avid reader of evo uh and i just sort of started thinking i wonder how these guys like you know how, how did these guys get into this role they must have done a journalism degree blah blah, blah. and i started researching it and i realized it, pretty much straight away i realized you don't have to have any qualification to do much in journalism, <laughs> yeah. apart yeah. from the love of cars and a slight yeah. you know and being somewhat good at writing but you don't have to be an expert you don't have to be a, a novelist um and so I think at that point I it was the moment I realized um, and I, and I was already sort of about to like leave this IT consultancy role. Um, and so I, I, I started blogging um, just to dip my toe in it. And, and I, I started a blog. It was samtalkscar.com. I bought, I even bought the domain. Um, oh, like, wow. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have it. It's, it's long gone. I don't even know. I can't yeah. remember what the website was without that domain now. Cause yeah, it really yeah. um, and so that was the point where I started to, um think maybe I could turn this into something but also not feeling particularly overwhelmed and think not not thinking this is guaranteed to get me somewhere because I all, all I was told all along when I was doing my research was that it's very hard to get paid in the industry for the first few years and I was like oh am I going to be skint for the next 10 years trying to make a name in it and it's a big risk it's a big gamble it took it took a couple of years before I felt like this was a, this was actually going to be the path. You know, there were there was there were quite a few. I might have jumped ahead a bit here with your questions, but I, essentially, the come the, the the feeling confident that I was going to maintain this as a career didn't come until quite you know far into my mid twenties. Um, yeah, people might be surprised by because when they but, saw my Instagram pictures and stuff, they probably thought I was very secure, and, and actually I wasn't. But that's the thing. I mean, and 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 that's where I want to go a, a, a bit deeper is this this blogging thing, right? Because yeah. Um, it, it it sounds like you were obviously unhappy with the job, um, but you made a decision to actually um, dabble, as I as I think about it. Right when you mm. started blogging, um, were you like t- to what degree? Like, uh, I know a lot of people who love something, but they're so scared of putting themselves out there because yeah. of what people think or whatever. Like, did you like? Did you ever have that kind of fear in you when you started blogging? Yeah, I did. Well, I never. I remember not actively not sharing my blog posts onto my own personal social media pages because I didn't really quite new to see the stuff. I just wanted to go to randomers in the world. So um, yeah, a hundred percent. Just because you, um, I, I mean, I still have this today. And, and you know, you watch back a video you do, or you read your article, and you just you might think it looks great, and then you watch someone else's thing, and you're like, oh man, there's so much better. <laughs> and then you start, and then you then you can't watch your thing or read your thing again in the same light forever. You know. So it, it is a it's a tough old world, especially because you are putting yourself out into the public, even if you're not people. It's not people, you know, and you just see them as numbers on a, a Google Analytics page that, you know, these are people. And, and you know, uh, it, it is tricky and, and I totally get it. And it's even harder now. I think I had it at a time when you, you know, YouTube and stuff like that. There wasn't an expectation that amateurs had to make great content, whereas now even anyone you know that's these influencers now some of them are doing it from their bedroom and, and the content they yeah. make is so highly high quality the pressure's even higher and it's not going to get any easier but at the same time with on the switch side there's more opportunity now than ever to actually build an audience and, and grow your platform yourself um yeah. because of the way the algorithms work and stuff like that so yeah it's, 
Indeed. It is a tricky one. I do totally sympathise with people being scared of putting their, themselves out there. I think I think the easiest answer to that is just, you know, there are, even though there are trolls and horrible people out there on the internet, in our community on the motoring side, um, so long as you're honest and you, you don't make big mistakes like misname a car, <laughs> you know, you don't call a, a 911. I, I remember I did this once when I was 20. I think I called, I think I said a, a 911 had a straight six engine. I remember which, which I now know is a flat, it's a flat six engine and, you know, totally yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the arrangement of the cylinders. But at the time to me, it was the same thing. And I remember I got called out for it in a blog post and, and I was so ashamed and embarrassed. Um, but you only make those mistakes once. So it's worth putting yourself out there, taking a the pain for a couple of weeks, months, and then you'll, you'll be more refined for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, can I ask like why you picked, um, at the time, obviously you picked blogging, right? Um, yeah. why you pick blogging as opposed to say, you know, every other possible type of, 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 of media out there. Yeah. Would you, so I actually should say, so I, I did blog, I blogged and then I actually, um, and this is where, again, I'm so grateful to my parents for being so, you know, happy to hear me say that like, I'm changing my career path and this, you know, then I signed up to the Coventry master's course, um, for motoring journalists. Okay. Um, and it's an MA, but you don't have to, you don't even have to have a degree. I mean, I had a degree, but you don't have to have a degree to do it. You just, you have to demonstrate either some work experience or blogging or something like that. I mean, the rules might have changed now, but back then that's what it was. Um, yeah. Was that 2013, I think. Um, and so, or 2014, I think I started that course. And so I I did do the blogging um, and I got some traffic. I can't remember. I think the most reads I had on a story was like 500. So it wasn't great, <laughs> but I was well over that. I was well happy with that. Um, yeah, and um and yeah, I, I I was posting YouTube videos, nothing nothing like the sort you see today, where it's like the, the selfie stick, you know, hey, I'm doing this, just very very plain, like I'm doing a track day in my car, uh, and then just jumped in and had an onboard video, and then I'd embed that on my blog with a written post about something, um, and then yeah, then then that was kind of my ticket to doing this MA, um, which which was was really good, um, but not essential, I should say. I could have taken the path of just continuing the blogging and then offering myself a work experience. And I probably would have found the same path, maybe not as quickly, but probably would have. Um, but it's, it certainly gave me a, a, a slight kick up the backside doing that MA because it just puts you, well, it's a turbocharging course. It's nine months basically of just going from being not qualified as a journalist to being fully qualified. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I have to ask, um, this is, I think, I think this is an issue that many people face is, financial security um in the sense that you obviously went from you know a relatively you know high paying job at the time for your age to then um i suppose dabbling into a career probably wouldn't have paid that probably wouldn't have paid you as much um yeah i mean you know when you look back at that right obviously it was a great thing that Mm -hmm. you know you 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 were able to put aside the money for a second and just 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 hustle and work hard um but just talk us through like what goes through your mind when you like when you when you look back on it and you yeah. think about money in particular, like what is it that made you think I'm gonna make that sacrifice and I'm gonna I'm gonna put aside, you know, what is arguably more money, more stability, more security and go into doing yeah. uh, the blogging and you know, dabbling into that kind of space. Because like, cause I, I think a lot of people are, are, are scared about that kind of aspect, you know? Yeah. I think, I think I, I, and I'm sure a lot of people have this. And because we've got the internet now, you you can learn about yourself. You can read about your personality types and your, 
your which side of your brain is more active etc yeah. i think i realized um in those moments uh straight after uni when i got that job that the side of my brain i can't remember which way around it is but i think if i hope i'm not making a fool of myself with this but i'm pretty sure one side if you use one side more than the other side or vice versa you're more creative yeah that's right like that's right numerical and, and i realized i was fully on the creative side so trying to go down the path of these jobs where I was filling in spreadsheets and doing numbers based stuff and things like that, it was just, it was, it was totally out of tune with who I am as a personality and a person. Um, so I kind of thought, do you know what? And I started to view myself differently. And then when I viewed myself differently, I didn't feel I'd worked in pubs, pub jobs during the summer, for example, and there were always actors and artists working behind the bar with me who were doing exactly what I was now thinking about doing, which was having a creative dream, but realizing you couldn't fund yourself with that creative mm-hmm. dream for the first few years and therefore you have to have a job on the side and, and I did that I got a job in a pub uh, um, and then I when I went to do this Coventry course I worked in the in the union bar and I took up all the shifts I could you know I was working as much wow. as I could just to, yeah and that, and that and that you know that's a very common theme I think a lot of us do that um, because and it can sometimes feel a bit like oh, I'm not basically it feels like the thing you're doing that you love the blogging on the side is just your hobby and the real job you have is your bar job or your whatever you're doing to make them ends meet yeah and that, and that's real di- really disheartening so you have to really maintain that end goal um and, how do you and, do that though because because it's it, yeah. you know what sam it's the first time i've heard someone say this so openly because it's true yeah. like when you when you've got a passion right um in in in, in some cases like motorsport or Let's call them the non-traditional passions, right? Um, you know, um, there, there is no clear path to financial security and success when it comes to that passion. And so what happens is you end up having a day job to kind of fund that yeah. passion on the side, right? But something that I know I, I struggle with sometimes, and I'm sure many others struggle with, is, you know, how do you take that passion as seriously as yeah. the day job, right? Like, for example, like, you know, when you've got a day job, you turn up on time right? You work as hard as you possibly can. But in your in your mind, because you're not being paid for the thing that you love doing, it can be to take it as seriously and be as committed and as dedicated. Is that yeah. something that you went through as well? Yeah. And also I was knackered. I remember, I mean, I, again, don't get the violins out for me. I was still living a pretty good life. I still, <laughs> you know, I, it, it was it, on respect, on um, reflection. I, I, it was a great period of my life and I enjoyed pretty much every day of it. But, but at the time I was tired, you know, I remember going, I remember getting back after a shift and my legs were aching because anyone who works in a pub or a bar will know you're on your feet for, you know, mm-hmm. how many hours your lunch break is never as long as it's supposed to be, et cetera. And so, um, I remember getting back and thinking, well, now I should, really should update the blog and I should write something or, or even, and, and by this point, by the way, I was already writing. Once I started the course in Coventry, I, I almost through the fear of failure, having had those that year prior of thinking, oh my God, you know, I really need to pull my socks up. Um, I was really proactive with networking digitally, like reaching out to editors and deputy editors at magazines, asking for work experience. Um, unpa- I never said unpaid, but knowing full well, it would be unpaid. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that was what kept me going. It was it was um, the fact that you know I I was I had multiple avenues I hadn't tried yet. I think I, I think had for example nobody responded to my emails and had my blog just fallen on its face, I probably would have given up eventually. I think there's only so much you can take, you know. And thankfully there were five or six avenues to pursue. You know, the work experience avenue, just making as many contacts as you could on this course or 
Um, you know, I even wrote for a newspaper. Um, I, I wrote for a Chinese newspaper, the, the People's Daily. You know, um, it's, oh my it God. Was, it was, yeah, it was like just because, and that and that actually was through a family friend who was like, oh, I know you're blogging. I know someone who who needs a UK reporter for some stories on cars. Um, so it was just putting myself out there and having these tiny little bites occasionally, not getting into any rhythm. I'd get a job. They'd they'd say I'll pay you fifty pounds. Sometimes it was paid as well. So they say pay fifty pounds, and you can can you write the story, uh, which was great. You know, I was always overjoyed to get paid. Um, but then then I'd have nothing for a month, and I'd be like, oh god, you know, how am I gonna? How do I keep up the rhythm? You know, um, but it does. It did come eventually, and and I was very lucky. And and sort of the next chapter in my life, um, and these chapters are all really short. They're all the, the thing that kept me motivated was each chapter was like a year. So I was quite, I was very lucky um, in that regard because you know you can go two years and not make a step and you have to really keep at it. But um, Evo magazine, which I adored at the time, and I still think it's brilliant. Um, but back then it was um, it had uh, a list of my my all time like writing heroes all worked there in one place. It was mad. Yeah. Um, I messaged Nick Trot, the editor there, who who's now gone on to do even more amazing things, um, and he was he he got back to me and like offered me some work experience and that and that was the moment where I started to think whoa because you wow. know it, 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 these magazines were are, are on low budgets comparably and and you know the the staff aren't paid in, enormously well and things like that they, these are magazines of passion rather than yeah. um, money but it, it was such a prominent magazine in my life um, and it was such a, a an amazing place that as soon as I got that response email I think it was like the bar job suddenly was fine and the being tired was, you know, everything made sense. I need, you need, I think I just had to network the hell out of my life, <laughs> and then yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that big bite. It, it, it was the best thing ever. I am. Um, I often say this to young people: is you know, um, you know, find twenty people on Instagram and just DM them, right? You know, um, yeah. You know, um, and I, I feel like I feel like a lot of people are like, what, like. Mm-hmm that's cool but like you know 19 of them might say no or they might not even respond to you right yeah. but it takes that like, one person to actually say yeah you know what yeah i'd i'd i'd, I'd, I'd bring you in um mm-hmm. and um i think that it takes a lot of relentless hard work but you've got to you've got to put the grind in um when you were like messaging these people or emailing them whatever um like how did you kind of what what kept you what kept you going every single mm-hmm. day because like you said right it's it, it, it took a relatively long time to finally get to that place where you've got the you've got mm. the internship now and everything else but what is the kind of what you going every single day to keep going to the bar to keep working still keep blogging still keep applying what is the kind of kept you kept you yeah. motivated i mean the first thing was the love of cars like yourself you know i i just love driving i i i got this um i bought a clear 182 by the way I, I think it's a really good idea and you know sometimes it's very hard to convince um more serious parents i remember my mum my being like why are you spending you know a couple of grand on this um old renault sport clear you don't need but but having something in your life like that for me it was that was the car and, and i've still got it I, and i'll never sell it because it's packed full of nostalgia it's outside under a cover uh because it's wow. like yeah yeah and um uh, and I use it once every few weeks, but that car um, and anyone who knows me will probably now be going, oh, man, he's talking about the Clio. But um, <laughs> it's <laughs> it, it, honestly having a way where I could remind myself how much I adored the thing I love um, that was active and and easily accessible to me. And I, and I appreciate for some people they won't be able to access, access that. And, and, and 
you know they'll have to find other ways you know even a couple of grand car is you need a couple of grand for that it's you know some there are people people who are going to say i can't get that and so it's just trying to find a way to maintain your love day to day to remind you that's what did it for me it was i realized every time i drove a car and every time i read a magazine i just was like this is the best thing ever um this is what i want to do and so when when it came to writing that email often I wrote those emails after a drive. I remember I'd go out for a drive in my car. Uh, this is before petrol was 180 or whatever it is now. It was, <laughs> yeah. it's relatively okay for fuel pool prices. Um, or, I, or I would watch a, a YouTube video with Chris Harris, um, who easily is one of my biggest inspirations. Um, and Neil Carey, his, his videographer, who I'm now working with amazingly. Um, oh, wow. You know, th- those guys inspired me so much. You, you watch something or you read something and you, you're almost pumped full of adrenaline from it or, or whatever the equivalent is when you're sitting on your backside doing something. And um, and that that was the motivation. It was just being inspired. We're lucky in this industry that because it's a very visual industry, everything's online or in print or TV or whatever. The inspiration is in its in the most vivid form, you know, so um, I think yeah. that it. it was it was seeing stuff and going, I want to do that. You know, musicians have it when they listen to the music or whatever and. It, and it just, it's, it's so crazy. true. I think, yeah, I think, you know what, um, I think that there, there, there is something about, you know, how easy it is nowadays in this day and age yeah. to watch YouTube videos, to watch people, you know, it's all free, right? You can, you can, yeah. you can, I mean, there's a, there's a saying that I love, which is like, you know, you are the average of, of the, of the five people you spend the most time with. And, you know, if you've got a bunch of like loser friends who don't want to do anything with their life, you can actually like very quickly surround yourself with the people online that you want yeah. to be like because they're all there <laughs> like they're all on yeah, youtube yeah. they're all on instagram they're all on twitter and you can yeah. very quickly surround yourself and motivate yourself mm. on a daily basis to keep to keep going with the with the struggle and um, just on it just on a side note i get a lot of people asking me right mo i get your point do i love but i don't know what i love and i want to i want to get your take on um you know if 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 there was any advice you could give any young people out there who are kind of struggling with not knowing what they want to do? Like, what would be your kind of two cents yeah. on that? That's a really tricky one because I, I do have friends and, and I and I feel, you know, when they say this, it makes me feel really sad because I'm like, oh, actually, I, it just makes me remember, realize how lucky I was to find our passions when we were younger. My, some of my friends have said to me, I'm, you know, I, I don't have a passion like what you have. Therefore, there's nothing for me to pursue with that kind of drive. And um I think the easiest answer for me is is maybe just try and figure out in yourself internally. You know, I think I think a lot of um, us probably don't think too much about what what naturally we're driven by. Um, we probably just look outwardly at what we think we should be driven by and and other people. And I think the the way I came because 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 I did have cars as a passion, but it almost was when I it took me a while to realise that I was more on the creative side in the way my mind worked, and then that was what actually did the final push over the hurdle. And so maybe just really try to think about yourself, you know, read a couple of books about, um, you know, or listen to some podcasts about just understanding what, what works for your personality type. And, and, and there will, there will be something you enjoy, whether it's as silly as going outside in the sunshine and going for a walk through a forest or something. I think, I think the world of journalism and blogging is great because it covers such a vast array of things. Yeah. Same with podcasts. So even if you have the most niche interest, there's probably an audience out there that shares it with yeah. you. Um, yeah. and, and when it comes to online, you can, act, as you said, you can access them by just posting as long as you get the hashtags right or you, you, you share it to the right Reddit forum or something like that. Um, you can act, you can reach them. And so 
you know, I've got a friend who loves animals and he, he, he's been talking about doing some blogging or, or videos on, um, on, you know, animals. He, he was living in Australia and, and was hanging yeah. out with penguins all the time. And so I think, I think it's just trying to find even your, the tiniest niche of interest you have, or, or let's say if you, you know, even if you just enjoy taking pictures or, or, uh, just writing about your own life. I, you know, some people just write daily blogs, don't they, about experiences they have in the day and, and get enormous yeah. traffic on a blog. Um, but I understand it can be tough to figure that out and, and to have the confidence to say that's going to be of any interest to anyone, but it probably is going to be of interest to other people. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Um, and just, just on that point, right, um, you know, as someone who makes content, I know that a lot of young people struggle with... Um, you know, some some call the strive for perfection as a bit of an excuse to not put that thing out there. Uh, you know, others see it as no, no, it really is perfection. But yeah. um, do you ever kind of struggle with um, between making the content that you produce um, picture perfect, and it it gets to a point where it's like. I'm not going to post it or it doesn't get posted or it, 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 it doesn't go out. Cause I know that a lot of people kind of, they say, no, no, no I'm not putting an ad because it's just, it's just not how I want it to be. But yeah. um, others say, no, you're what you've got to just get it out there. It's, 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 it's a mm. process of constantly refining and making it better, but don't, don't use that as an excuse. Where do you like, h- how do you balance those two things? The need for perfection, but also the need yeah. to, to get stuff out on a regular basis of that. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we we have this battle with them. So where I am now at Cinch, so I, I'll, I so I can I, if I just skip through because basically the way I see content is based on my experiences from where I've worked. So per, when I went to Evo, amazing place. The videos they made were perfection. I would say some of the videos from their um, mid twenty tens years. Um, they had a videographer there also called Sam. Um, he's now gone on as a freelancer. His video editing, unbelievable. Like you know, so high quality perfection and, and any content creators out there wanting to move into this realm would almost be scared off by it, the stuff he was producing and the presenters you know Dickie Mead and Jethro Bobbingdon anyone who reads Evo or has read Evo will know Henry Catchpole um the, these guys were there and um brilliant at their jobs and anyone like me at the time if I ever got um to do some video you know of my own typically at that point and then eventually when I was at the magazines yeah, I thought it was all rubbish. And I thought I thought I came across really amateur. Um, and I just don't think I looked very, very good. But what bizarrely has happened is the expectation for scripting or um, having some poetic lines, or that kind of just 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 being appearing overly professional has really disappeared. I think the influencer world has got something to say for that. Um, and although they do, don't get me wrong, I know people who make content that looks rough around the edges, but actually is very well planned and, and deliberately made to look a bit more honest. Yeah. Um, but the expectation has changed now. And I think fundamentally what you need is just a good camera, good hide. You know, if you don't, you, you want to make sure you don't get that comment. Has he reco- has he or she recorded this on a potato? Because that will come up um, <laughs> yeah. if you have a bad camera. So you do have to invest in a good camera. But thankfully, the prices are coming down all the time for the good stuff. Um and you just have to know your stuff in the car industry. There, we, we're so nerdy in this industry that if you misname uh, a BMW E46 M3 as an E36 M3, it's only one number difference. But yeah. the piranhas are out there and they will leap at you. And and if yeah. it's stored on the internet forever, they will continue to come even in a year or two's yeah. time. Yeah. So make sure you get those facts right. Your camera quality is good. Microphone as well, ideally, um, if you can. Uh, and 
be honest and be true. And I, and I think what I've noticed is actually some of the content I thought was rubbish. I get them on Facebook memories. Sometimes it pops up and it says, you posted this video five, six years ago. And I watch it back and I'm like, it was so rubbish. But you read the comments and people are loving the honesty in it. And they're like, you're just, you just strapped yeah. a camera to your you know, to your, your helmet and you went for a drive on a track in this car or something like that. And and they like, and people like that. So I think honesty is what matters most and just knowing your subject and being passionate about it. And when it comes to the editing and the, um, you know, the angles you get and stuff like that, that's less important these days. It depends on the platform, of course, if you, you know, yeah, if you're, yeah. you're posting to, I, a, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's, it, it reminds me of, um, I remember um, talking to, uh, to Abigail, um, Andre, and she was like, you know, the thing that she always tries to do, as you said, is be authentic and be yourself. Yeah. And she was like, if you don't be yourself, then you're going to end up creating almost a prison for yourself because then you have yeah. to act according to this particular person that you've created in your head, right? And just being real and sometimes not being so overly focused on, you know, um, the quality of the shot and just being raw in some cases can actually just be quite, People actually want to see that, and, and, yeah. and I want to see your true self. Um, I have to ask this because I, I, um, I can only imagine how when you put yourself out there, Sam, and you start to put content, and your face is actually out there, right? Um, you obviously open yourself up to. I can only presume, you know, horrible comments or people kind of trolling you, whatever. Um, have you ever experienced that? And how do you, how do you get past that? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? The the best place of learning I had was a place where I was confronted with that stuff very, very regularly. And that was Pistonheads. Um, fantastic website, pistonheads.com. Great forum. Brilliant staff as we worked there. Um, after Evo, I went to Autocar, amazing magazine, learned loads there. But Pistonheads was much more in line with what I dreamt about. And basically, that website, uh, for, if for anyone who doesn't know, it has an enormous forum attached to it. Um, and, and essentially the website, even through years of not being funded particularly well by its previous owner and kind of neglected actually, just survived and remained this juggernaut because of the forum. People in that forum are car experts, not everyone. Um, and if you're not a car expert and you want to join it, still go ahead. There's loads of great advice in there and stuff like that. But there are a lot of people in there who know some of them are generalists, but a lot of them are experts on particular car models and particular brands, etc. And as a journalist or as a media person or whatever, you have to be a generalist. Um, you can have your interests in particular models, but you're writing about everything or you're talking about everything. So, yeah, I, I had moments early in my years at Pistonheads where I'd write a story and make a very minor mistake, something that 99% of people would say, it's irrelevant to the title, the main part of the story. And it's this tiny little niche thing. You know, I think I would say a, a car had magnesium in it and it had aluminium or something like that and blah, blah, blah. Things that didn't really have a core um, input to the main angle of the story, but you would get leapt at <laughs> and it would be like the conversation on the, on the comments. And people would say, oh, you know, if you're getting this wrong, how can I trust this? And that, that almost was worse than the random comments I get on YouTube occasionally, like this guy's an idiot or whatever. I don't, those ones don't feel so personal. They just feel very random. Right? Sometimes mm -hmm. like that might even be a bot, you know, it's so, so just generally trying to be insulting, but the ones where they actually say you've made a mistake, you're not qualified to do what you do. Those ones are the ones that actually really affect people and, and understandably so. 
Um, and the only way to come out of that is you, you know, firstly, quickly edit the story if you can, um, <laughs> change it, <laughs> and go back to them. Sometimes I remember a couple of times in my early years of business, I'd edit a story and be like, okay, well, I've changed it now. And then the comments would continue saying, you've edited this, you know, this used to say this, it didn't say that, it doesn't say that oh. now. And I remember thinking, oh my God, there's people out there who actively are taking joy in seeing someone's made a mistake on an article. And so, um, the, the only way I ever had of getting through that was realizing that I wasn't the only one to make those mistakes. In fact, I watched a video only yesterday um, with Richard Hammond, I think on Drive Tribal or whatever's on YouTube he's on now. And um, it was him watching back his old videos from his younger years. And he made a mistake. He watched the video and he went, that's not true. I've made a mistake. I can't believe it. I'm so ashamed. Yeah, yeah. And I thought we all do it. You know, um, it's just the problem is now is that because the Internet, the reactions are so instant. Um you know about it within 10 minutes you know it's not like the old print journalism days where it would take a letter to be written in and then yeah. you have a little box in the corner of the next issue saying we made a slight issue error in this article you know just to rectify this what we meant that was a much softer way of feeling those moments yeah you know? it's, oh, it's so true i i, I remember talking to um uh a, 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 a youtube uh, a few months ago and he was like he comes from the print world and now he's 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 pivoted towards social media really big in the Middle East. Um, and he was like, social media is such a different game. Like, you know, it's this kind of place where people are after in, right? Yeah. You know, um, people are constantly, you know, it, it's so easy to kind of fall down this road of, well, I've only got 12 likes on my post, so I'm going to just stop. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and I suppose like what I'd love to understand from you re- really quickly is, um, you know, when you are putting yourself out there on social media for the first time, right? Mm. What would be your advice for those people that are getting started? Um, mm. And 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 how do you get past this place of, you know, well, I've only got twelve likes, so therefore my content just get past that kind of mindset thing, right? Yeah, it's, it is tough, and and you know the algorithms i mean likes do kind of matter when it comes to you know the more views you get on youtube etc the more likes or comments the algorithms then give that it's all a snowball effect isn't it so it does matter from a technical point of view but it doesn't matter from quality point of view because there have been photographs i mean i'm not a photographer but i I like taking pictures of cars and things like that and there are photographs i've taken that i'm really proud of and i'm like this is a great picture like i I like it as a you know and i'm really critical of my other photos and some of them do rub it think aren't that good do really well so i think it's worth remembering that the quality isn't necessarily what is reflected in the likes it's often you just come across a bunch of people who are into the particular car you photographed or or you the hashtag you've entered or or wherever it's ended up on the feed has just attracted so it doesn't it doesn't it's not a very fair representation of quality there are so many you know if you went to an art gallery and you walked around um I'm sure if they posted a lot of those images onto Instagram, they wouldn't get that many likes, you know, but yet they're beautiful works of art worthy of an art gallery. So it it doesn't mean the quality is not good because that's not how the platforms work. The content, you know, good content arguably always floats to the top in some way, but that's after years and years of those content makers building a position where they can, where everything they post gets a big amount of traction. We have this now where I work at Cinch, um, which by the way is, is this, is if for anyone who doesn't know it has a big online um car selling you know showroom all online but um we were desperately trying to make a name for ourselves and 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 really engage with people on social media because because the brand is a really nice brand everyone who works there's great but we're not massive on social media at the moment we're, we're it's a baby it's baby steps at the moment um 
And so we're going through this right now. I'm living this experience again. It's like a reset because because where we are, Instagram followers are, are still creeping up gradually. The YouTube page I'm I'm like kind of running now is is we've got 1,600 subscribers. Um, so we're we're baby steps. But um, you know it, the way the algorithms work, we have like 90,000 views on one video and then two and a half thousand views on another video. So there's no consistency yeah. for us there. So honestly, I I know how. But you just got to keep at it, and also. The key thing I think is finding a niche, whether it's cars in general, but typically it's like if you're into sporty cars or hot hatchbacks, for example, you then stick to that and make that your niche. And then the mm. followers will come who adore that subject as well. And then they'll just like everything because they'll be like, oh, he's posted about a Clio or he's posted about a Polo or he's posted about a. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Find I'm, that I'm, niche. Yeah. I'm a big fan of, of depth as opposed to breath, yeah. right? In the sense that, you know, yeah. um, I feel like a lot of people can kind of make videos out there or think that they should make videos that everyone will love. They, they want to make an instant viral video that will be liked by millions. But actually, it's not like that. You, I think um, exactly. it's yeah, a lot yeah. more harder to make a viral video than it is to kind of just focus on a specific niche and just build a community. And I, I love this about social media. I love the idea of using social media to create a community of like-minded people who care about the same things that I care about. And you suddenly, I mean, you know, I, I get so much joy when I see people commenting on other people's comments and helping each other out and saying, listen, man, like, you know what? Um, yeah, that's a great car, but actually I prefer this one. Yeah. I get so much buzz out of that because I'm like, wow, like actually, actually, you know, talking to each other, helping each other. It's a fantastic thing. And that's yeah. way more important than likes or whatever it is in, in, in my yeah. way. Um, I agree, it's just so important. Um, finally, I know, I know, I know, I know we're short on time, but just finally, um, if there is anyone out there who wants to, who sees you, likes what you do, is in awe of the job you get to do every single day, and wants to, you know, do something similar, um, based on your life story and based on the experience that that you've had, what would you say would be your kind of three biggest piece of advice for those people that are seeking to kind of do what you do yeah well i think i think the main thing is network i think this is true for many industries um you have to make yourself visible um you know i got very lucky when i landed my first job because the timings all uh landed at the same time but the key thing was was they knew i existed um and you know a lot of the time i i, I wasn't the best person for that job i know for sure and i and to this day i i know i definitely wasn't um but the people who were better than me hadn't reached out to those those editors. And so they didn't exist um, to those editors. So network is the first thing. Put your name out there. Send messages. Send emails. Emails still work really well. DMs on Instagram are great and things like that. But um, emails as well. If, I think if you email someone, often it shows that you've you've tracked them down. You know, you've figured out the email format they have. And, and there's probably a, a level of respect you get from that. Um, and then just just keep making content that you love yourself don't it doesn't matter as we said you know if you don't think it's a masterpiece but if it makes you smile because you feel like you genuinely look like you're having a good time in it or you're passionate about it you know there are people who make political youtube videos and they're angry in their videos but the passion is what you you admire in it you know that it's their frustration with whatever's going on in society so as long as you're passionate and authentic and you're creating your content and you're networking and hopefully by this point you can then point to the content you're making to the people you're trying to reach out to 
that those are the first two key things i would say because then you exist online you can almost pretty much from that point call yourself some sort of journalist or content creator even though you might be unpaid and then after that it's it's very much finding and understanding what you're best at make sure you have all of the available skills nowadays is so editing so basically you 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 know you don't just want to be a writer you you probably also need to have an idea about video presenting to some extent not necessarily but if you if you really want to make yourself the strongest candidate um and a little bit of understanding of video editing is really good um same with photography as well all this stuff helps because ultimately in this job you have to do a bit of everything um there will be days when you're called onto a shoot and the the photographer will say what do we need to take pictures of how what angles do we want and you have to have that that you have to be able to just think okay what's the key thing yeah, yeah, yeah. here um but then once you have that skill set then finding obviously where your strongest bit is and then really pursuing that so for me um i love the writing and i love um reviews and stuff but i i think my passion now has fallen into the video side so that's what we're pursuing and that's that's why my job at cinch is so fantastic because i'm so lucky to be here because um they're fully fully supporting me with that so i think apart from the luck i think it's probably because they saw the passion i had for it and they they welcomed me with open arms in that kind of said you know we could yeah, push yeah, yeah. i think it's as long as you're true to your your own passion with that after having done all the networking yeah. someone hopefully along the way will pick you up and, and give you a push or you might find your youtube channel just takes off you know i've seen people do that you know alex kirsten yeah, yeah, yeah. and Car throttle his, his youtube channel he's launched on his own and um, he's now his own brand because of his passion for you yeah yeah, that's a so bit of advice I could have given. <laughs> but, uh... No, it's it's but it's it's so true. I think I think um, I I found this that somehow the universe has this really kind of weird way of rewarding you when you put yourself out there. Like when yeah. you like it, it's like when you show people what you're passionate about and what makes you happy. People yeah. act like it's the most weirdest thing ever. But it's yeah. like <laughs> I don't know how it works, but. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like what? Um, I remember, like, I, I I put my first Facebook post out like a year ago, saying I want to start a podcast, and suddenly people were, like commenting, saying, "Yeah, listen, man, I'll help you out. Yeah, I've got a few people here that, that I'm going like, to yeah. help with." It was amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, Sam, honestly, um, I have been so excited to do this podcast with you, and uh, I know it's been a long time coming. Thank you so much for your valuable time for sharing your experiences. And you know what? Um, I think that there's a lot of young people out there who look at you and think, you know what, man, like I would love to love to do what you do every single day. And I'm hoping that they can be inspired, motivated, educated through your experience. And um, hopefully we can see a lot more young people going out there and pursuing their dreams yeah. like you have. So thank you so much. Thank you. No, I really appreciate that. And, and sorry, just to put one plug in at the end. We're actually um, growing our team at Cinch. So Anyone who's uh, who's looking uh, out for roles, whether it's writing or a video, um, there are some opportunities which are being prepared at the moment. I'm very excited to say so. I'd love to I'd love to give back even more uh, and actually bring people in <laughs> onto the show. Fantastic. Just 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 actually that that's a good reminder. Actually, for those who want to find out uh, more about Cinch or find out more about you, where can they find you? 
Well, um, so they can find me on Instagram. I'm, I'm at Sam Sheehan 55, uh, as in the numbers, uh, or YouTube. Ideally, if subscribe, we're, we're, we're desperately uh, growing our YouTube channel this year. We're, we're, we're actually just signed up Yanni. Yanni is the influencer. Um, oh, wow. So we're expecting that to be brilliant. Yeah. And I've seen the first draft of the video we've got coming out and it's, it's quite funny, actually. So um, I make a fool of myself on multiple occasions. <laughs> So, which is great, I think, for the entertainment, I think. Um, and that's on our YouTube channel, which is literally youtube.com forward slash cinch. Um, so, yeah, that, that's where we really want people to, to, to meet us because on there you'll get the entertainment and hopefully the passion uh, of cars and, um, and see some of the stuff that we get to drive. We have Rockingham Raceway. I haven't mentioned this, actually, but we, with the racetrack, is, uh, we have that to, to film content on. Um, so oh, my God. Wow. A really unique scenario, yeah. So, uh yeah, definitely come and check it out if you if you if you watch YouTube videos. That is fantastic. I'm sure people will be uh, keen to attempt to have a look at that. Sam, thank you so much for your time on a on a on a on a Saturday morning. We do appreciate it, and we look forward to uh, having you on soon at some point in the future as well. And great to meet you, Mo. Yeah, and speak, speak to you soon. Hopefully, cheers. You too. Cheers.